the mind and control the mind to reach the soul. I'm somewhere hmm. in that. Okay, I will explain according to the Shastra. Golokera Premadana Harinam Sankirtan. This means that the holy name has descended from the spiritual platform. The holy name is not a word. It is not a sound of this word, world. Kalikare Kalikale Namarupe Krishnavatar. That in this age of Kali, God incarnates within the sound of his name. The sound of God's name is not simply a method of controlling the mind. The sound of God's name is God. Nam nam akali ba nija sarva shaktis nakala That all the power, all the glory, all the opulence, all the purifying effects of God himself are fully contained within the sound of his name. Now what you're saying is true that we must control our mind. Our mind is like a mirror. The soul is like the sun. The mind is meant to reflect the light of the sun. When the mind is uncontrolled, to the degree it's uncontrolled, it gets covered with dust and dirt. Huh? Because due to its uncontrolled nature, it becomes attached to things of this world. And those attachments are like dust and dirt. When a mirror is covered with dust and dirt, none of the light of the sun can reflect from it. All that shows from that mirror is dust and dirt. So mind control ultimately must be for the purpose of cleansing the mind to allow the soul to shine through it without the impediment of dust and dirt. Now meditation is the process of stilling the mind. But the ultimate meditation, according to the Shastra, is the chanting of the name because by concentrating the mind on the sound of the name, you are concentrating your mind on the all-pure glory and supreme nature of God. Huh? It's not like simply meditating on a wall or meditating on a mundane vibration, or meditating on a picture. These things can still the mind, but they do not purify the mind. Do you understand? The chanting of the name not only stills the mind, but it purifies the mind. But in order to chant properly, you have to concentrate your mind completely on the sound vibration. Otherwise, the name goes in one ear and out the other. We should not chant mechanically. We have to chant with devotion. And the, and, the, and the sincerity of the devotion is expressed to the degree we are willing to concentrate and fix our mind on the sound of the name. What you're saying is correct. We shouldn't just be saying the word where our mind is somewhere else. We will have minimal effects by that type of chanting. The chanting is a meditation. Yoga means to control our mind. By fixing our mind on God, our mind becomes godly. Huh? Our mind, by fixing our mind on the pure, our mind becomes purified. The name is all pure. 
The name is God. By fixing our mind, by chanting with concentration and attention and hearing the name with your mind, your mind, all the dust is removed, it is cleansed. And through that process, the eternal light of the soul will shine and reflect, reflect upon that mirror of the mind and bring light, illumination, and bliss to your life. And it will reflect and give light, illumination, and bliss to everyone you come in contact with in the world. Is that understandable? experiencing a, a tiny little glimmer of the infinite light of God within you and that is bringing you such joy compared compared to the pleasures of this world even a tiny little glimmer of a reflection of the light of God is supremely joyful what to speak of when our heart, when our mind is cleansed of all the dust, not only a glimmer, but the full effulgent light of the Son of God is manifested to us. Then there is infinite bliss and infinite ecstasy in our life forever. Huh? So Krishna is showing you a few glimmers here and there. Why does he show you a few glimmers? to attract you to the source of that glimmer himself. And because he is non-different than his name, to the degree we fix our mind on his name, to that degree our mind becomes purified. Krishna says in Gita, Manmanabhavamadbhakto madhyajim namavskaru. Always think of me. 
That is the essence of Gita, to always think of God. Because God is all pure. If you think of the all pure, you become purified. Correct? So we should not chant mechanically. Mechanical chanting is very, very minimal effect. The purpose of chanting the name of God is the opportunity to completely focus all of the concentration of the mind on God through the sound of his name. How it is that in Veda, just said, that one letter contains the whole energy of the world, is in Om. Has Om by vibrations, by the way of his sound which comes out of it, has a potency to reach the soul as it is in the name of the Krishna. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why it is that Om has been given the power of framing all God's content within that one letter? Krishna says in Gita, Paranava Sarva Vedeshu, that I am the sacred syllable Om in the Vedic mantras. Om is a name of God. By chanting Om, your heart becomes purified. There are many names of God. But Om, Kara, the Pranava Mantra, is specifically the transcendental sound vibration which represents and is non-different than the Sat, or the eternal, impersonal aspect of the Supreme. Whereas the name Krishna is also a sound vibration which is non-different from personification as Lytle's representing the that, that same eternal absolute truth but it is a manifestation through sound of the personal aspect of the absolute truth. You understand? Now there is supreme bliss in our personal loving relationship with the Supreme Person. The bliss of loving God is much greater. To understand the eternal aspect of God is incomparable in ecstasy to the pleasures of this finite world. But Rupa Goswami says, compared to the ocean of sweetness and bliss that one derives from loving God, the bliss that is contained in liberation is insignificant. Generally people chant pranava, the omkara mantra for liberation, and they will attain liberation by chanting omkar. Generally, people chant the name of Krishna or Ram to develop a personal loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. And through that process, they do develop an eternal loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. They are both transcendental sound vibrations which are representing the same absolute truth, but different aspects of the absolute truth. As I say, people chant Om for liberation, but people chant the name of Ram and Krishna for bhakti, for pure love, which is a higher and more complete realization of that one supreme absolute truth. 
But Krishna says, because Krishna is the complete absolute. He is Satchit Ananda. Brahman is the Sat, the eternal feature of the Lord. Paramatma is the Sat and Chit, the eternal and knowledgeable feature of the Lord. And Krishna is Satchit Ananda, Bhagavan. Complete realization of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. The bliss comes through love, through Leela. The bliss is in Leela, in spiritual reciprocation. So chanting Om and chanting Krishna, on one level they are non-different. But on another level, they, gain, they give entrances into, into various realizations of that one supreme absolute truth. Any other question? There are different schools of sometimes they chant Om. Shankaracharya taught the chanting of, um, what is that, Tatvam Asi, I am that. But factually, if you approach Om as the Supreme Person, you will realize Krishna through the chanting of Om. It is a question of your consciousness. If you are approaching Krishna, some people chant Krishna as the unmanifest absolute. And through the chanting of Krishna, they realize the unmanifest absolute. Huh? <laughs> as you approach Krishna, he rewards you directly. In fact, all of his potency are contained in all of his names. And if you approach the Lord for love and devotion through any of those transcendental names, he will reveal himself. But what I'm saying is generally the people who choose to chant Om, because it is the impersonal manifest aspect of the Absolute Truth, generally they are chanting for liberation. Very rarely do you find someone chanting the Om Kara Mantra for pure bhakti. But those who chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, some chant Hare Krishna for liberation. But if you're guided by a bona fide spiritual master, you will not be chanting Hare Krishna for liberation. You will be chanting Hare Krishna, my dear Lord, please engage me in your loving service forever. There are Mayavadis that chant Hare Krishna. And there's also Vaishnavas that chant Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevai. Huh? As you approach Krishna, he rewards you accordingly, and he's non-different than his name. He will also reciprocate through his name according to how you approach him. So we are not concerned with what name you chant. We are concerned with the proper understanding and proper concentration in your chanting. 
That's why Lord Chaitanya said, you have many names, my Lord. Whether you chant Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, Krishna, Ram, Govinda, Madhusudan. If you chant with the proper spirit of bhakti or devotion, you will achieve the same result. Yes. From the material point of view, it's equal. You're liberated from all the problems of this material world. Mukti means no more birth, old age, disease, and death. But that means you enter into the spiritual stratum of consciousness, the eternal reality. Once you, go, once you pierce through the coverings of this material world, you enter into beyond the Viraja River, what is called the Brahma Jyoti, which is the spiritual sky. Mukti means to merge into the spiritual sky. But within the spiritual sky, there are spiritual planets. And on each of these planets, the Supreme Lord is residing in his various transcendental features. And in each of those planets, the Lord is reciprocating eternally loving pastimes with his devotees. Now, whether you're in the spiritual sky or on those planets, you're liberated from this material world. You're out of material atmosphere. But it is a higher and more intimate realization of God to be personally loving Him and serving Him in His personal eternal form than to simply be resting in a state of mukti within the sky of the spiritual atmosphere. But in the spiritual sky also, there is that same risk. Because Ananda Mayobhyashat, the soul is looking for love by nature. In the spiritual sky, the soul is liberated from material suffering, but it finds no love. In Mukti, there's no love. There's simply liberate. There's simply no pain. There's the bliss of not having pain, but there's no love, because there's no one to love. So in that liberated condition, eventually, that propensity for love will awaken in the soul. And when that propensity comes, if you do not have information of the Supreme Lord's loving Leela taking place on his spiritual planets, if you do not enter there to repose your natural affection, propensity for love, then you will again come down into this material world. It is described in the Bhagavad that those who attain this state of mukti because they generally do not find a resting place for their loving propensities, they come down again eventually to this material existence to find love here. The nature of the soul is to love. Yes? Chance that if a person has 
personal Brahma Jyoti, then he can still have the desire to transcend that Mukti and go back to Golok Vrindavan and still have loving relations with Krishna, or there is no uh, question of further desires. From the Brahma Jyoti, you can either go to Goloka Vrindavan or you can come to this material world. You have to go one of either way eventually. But there is a risk. Therefore, why not cultivate directly that relationship now rather than striving for mukti? Why not strive now for bhakti? Krishna says, Janma karma chame divyam evam yogeti tatvata tyaktva deham punarjana naiti mameti sojana. One who understands the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities never takes birth in this material world again but attains my abode. After living in this material world, when you understand the transcendental nature of Krishna's appearance of activities, you attain to his eternal world and you never come back down to this material world again because you've learned your lesson. You've already tried enjoying separate from Krishna. You will not try again. You'll be so glad to be back. Huh? <laughs> you could come back, but you will not. A child may be attracted by fire, but once he puts his hand in the fire and is burnt, will he put it back in? He could, but he will not. So one time you can come to this world to try it, to try to live independent of God. But after you touch the fire, you get so burnt by the time you go back to Godhead, the thought of coming, the thought of enjoying apart from God just will be so unpalatable and unattractive for you that you'll never want to come back again. Yes. Are there personalities who have transcended the material modes of nature who are on the other bank of the various river but have still not been able to get into Golok Vrindavan? There are Vaikuntha planets. For those who want to worship the Lord and love the Lord in awe and reverence, they worship the Lord in his various Vishnu forms. Goloka Vrindavan is a Vaikuntha planet, but Goloka Vrindavan is that place where Krishna personally, intimately exchanges love with his devotees with complete freedom. In the Vaikuntha planets where Narayan or Vishnu resides in his various expansions like Ram and so forth, Varaha, Narasimha, the Lord in all of his various forms has various Vaikuntha planets. They are all eternal, where all his associates are filled with love and bliss. But their tendency of serving him is loving him and serving him as master. In Goloka Vrindavan, no one serves Krishna as their master. They serve him as their son or their friend or their lover. So all the Vaikuntha planets are eternal abodes. And in each planet, the Lord simply reveals himself just the way you want to love him, just the way you want to serve him. 
The spiritual world is Chintamanidam. If someone in Vaikuntha wants to be Narayan's wife, he's immediately transferred to Goloka Vrindavan where he can be a gopi. Huh? Because no one except Lakshmi is Narayan's wife. If someone in Vaikuntha wants to be Narayan's friend, he's transferred to Goloka Vrindavan where he could be Narayan's friend. Krishna has friends. So Vaikuntha is that place for people who their natural inclination and propensity is they want to serve the Lord as the master, the controller, and the creator. And Goloka Vrindavan is that place for those who want that freedom and intimacy of sweetness of love. They are both pure lovers of God. They are one, they are one in quality, but different intensities of that quality of love. To be in either Vaikuntha or the highest Vaikuntas of Goloka, you have to be a pure devotee. You have to have pure love. But there are different gradations of intensity within the realm of pure love as well. And different gradations of intimacy according to your desire. Just like Hanuman. Hanuman, do you think he wants to be Ram's friend? Do you think he wants to be Ram's lover? Do you think he wants to be Ram's parent? To the, these concepts for Hanuman are totally unpalatable. He simply wants to be Ram's servant. When Hanuman, if he were to go to Goloka Vrindavan and he would see the cowherd boys jumping on Krishna's back, he would probably want to just start smashing him with his club. What are you doing jumping on my Lord's back? Right? He would not be very happy in Goloka Vrindavan. But in Vaikuntha, everyone's bowing bowing before Ram and Hanuman's thinking, ah, very nice, yes, yes. <laughs> so this is his nature. His natural inclination is to serve Ram eternally as servant. So therefore the Supreme Lord reveals himself in such a way in an eternal abode where he can completely satisfy all his desires. Now the gopis, you think the gopis want to stand around Krishna with a club and guard him? To the gopis, it's, my God, it's horrible. They want to dance with Krishna. One man's food is another man's poison. <laughs> That's the material conception. But the idea in the spiritual world is that according to your natural inclination, your relationship with Krishna is perfect. But another's, but, but, but another's relationship would be completely unpalatable to you. The, the gopis do not want to be like Hanuman. And Hanuman does not want to be like the gopis. Huh? Hanuman, if Hanuman was with the cowherd boys, he would just probably be beating all the cowherd boys because they're so intimate with Krishna. Wrestling with him, defeating him. Huh? Sridham wrestles with Krishna and defeats him. You know what Hanuman would do if he saw Sridham beating up on Krishna? <laughs> he would become very angry with him. Huh? But do you think Sridham wants to stand with a club and protect Krishna? No, he wants to wrestle with him. He wants to fight with him. That's his bliss. So you see, we are all spiritual personalities. And we all have our unique way of loving Krishna in the spiritual world. And therefore, the various spiritual planets are places where 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna or Narayan, reveals himself just perfectly to fulfill all the desires of his devotees. Thank you very much. Thank you.